Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, April Stearns. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays for people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There is medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in, cancer is a salty business and sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Stephanie Lejeunesse. Stephanie is a writer. She was diagnosed at 39 with lobular breast cancer. Hers was stage four hormone positive. The story she is here to read today is called My Jiminy Cricket. I saw her from behind and mistook her for an old man, wispy white hair blowing in the late winter wind. Around me assembled what is arguably the most ridiculous of a host of genuinely silly local events, the chicken parade. Chickens on leashes and doozied up bike trailers carrying hens passed me by, lining up at the designated starting corner. The pale head turned to watch. I ducked behind a taller person, breath held, parsing the face I recognized as a friend's with the mismatched rest of her. Chemotherapy had taken her thick, dark bob and replaced it with patches of cotton candy. Once robust, she looked slight, frail. A flannel shirt, a cardigan, a down vest, and a shawl draped over her like an entryway chair. Shocked, I hid from her until it was time to go. Our babies were born four months apart. We shared a midwife and similar schedules, so my visits often followed hers or hers mine. In the throes of pregnancy and the postpartum period, we communicated mainly through our midwife, catching up secondhand, sending along some cookies or soup. I felt tethered to her, our one-woman rowboats rising and falling in tandem in the tides of motherhood. Have you ever, despite logic, a healthy skepticism, a technical disbelief in the supernatural, had an inexplicable feeling that something was faded? I haven't told anyone this, least of all her, but from the moment we met, I felt that tether. You don't just accept a cup of tea across from someone's Formica kitchen table and ask, do you sense it too? I mean, you could, but I wouldn't. While taking my blood pressure the week I was due, our midwife sat opposite me on my couch. 
We were bathed in gorgeous summer sunlight, but the still air and dry heat were suffocating, and the midwife was uncharacteristically quiet. Her pen scratched my systolic, my diastolic numbers into the steno pad she carried, and her eyes met mine. She caught my hand. Have you heard? She asked. In the way that takes for granted, there is only one thing to have heard. It's bad. It's really bad, she sighed. It was. It was criminal. We were young. She had a newborn. Nothing worked for whatever reason. When we had the same haircut, people occasionally confused us for each other. When I allowed myself naivety, I looked forward to it happening again, but the last time it did, I wanted to scream, haven't you heard? The quieter part, we're going to die. Our boats were sinking and the tide was out for good. She did, of course, die. I saw her again after the hiding episode and she'd thank me not to describe how much worse it got. She was as ungraceful a dyer as one can be, and I loved this about her. Furious, mean, and justifiably so. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Her baby would not remember her. There would be no more of her art. She was vanishing, and it was absurd and cruel. I wanted to whisper, tell me what it's like. Tell me the secrets from when it happens to me. But that would have been selfish, and I was scared anyway. And if I told her about our intertwined fates, she would have laughed herself to death instead. By the time I cycled through the disbelief and abject denial and allowed grief to catch up with me, I'd miss the window for acceptable sadness. I couldn't yell at anyone to stop the ride because I'd never managed to get on, and the carnival was already in another town. All of this to say that when I felt a thickening in the side of my breast, I knew. When my doctor said I was so young, but we could make sure. When the scheduler took down my date of birth and clarified that it was a diagnostic mammogram I wanted. When the first oncologist insisted it was small, curable, I knew. From the ethereal other side, I don't even believe in she was waving them off as stupid, optimistic. Friends cooed, cancer tells lies that make you distrust your body. It does, but it wasn't. Amid my thorough breakdown, I took bizarre pleasure in vindication when the actual results came in. And in my mind's eye, she sat back, equally appeased. We both love being right, even when it spells disaster. It's probably unethical to employ a dead friend as your cancer Jiminy Cricket. I think about that a lot. Does everybody have one, and who's yours? Is it the first person you lost? The one whose life mirrors your own a little too closely? The one you watched die while counting the ways you were different? She always drank too much. They smoked in college. His family history is so strong, and mine is non-existent. But then, do you think they mind? Am I the only atheist who does this? Am I an atheist if I do this? Is every cancer death I hear about another gum wrapper in my growing foil ball ever heavier as I juggle our collective grief from hand to hand? And how big is your ball? These are the questions I ask myself as I make sandwiches for my child, the same age as hers. But I have three to her one. I have medication that's working where hers never did. A different disease. An average survival time that puts hers to shame. 
I try to focus on the ways we are not alike now, instead of imagining my own thick, dark hair disappeared, because someday I won't have to imagine. When that happens, and then what comes after, I hope she'll appear so I can ask her to tell me the secrets I was afraid of when we were alive. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really, tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within. Fire within.